0: There's a risk of distorting the gospel when we view it through only one of these two lenses. If we view the gospel primarily as the power that sets us free, we could end up focused on our own personal salvation, getting out of hell and going to heaven someday, which can become a very human-centered gospel. However, if we view the gospel as purely focused on the restoration of all things, we can tip over the other way and believe and start proclaiming a social gospel. This is seen in the churches that are centered primarily on doing good works and acts of service and large social projects in their cities, but they rarely move toward a proclamation of the gospel that includes sin, repentance, and salvation found in Christ alone. It's when we grasp and wrestle with both, both of these perspectives that we have a gospel that places our salvation squarely on the work of Jesus on the cross and sends us out to be his body his family of redemption and restoration in the world. It's when the world both hears the good news and sees a demonstration of restoration that they are most inclined to believe. This is a big gospel, the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus was talking about. To the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. All right, here we are. It's good to be back with you again. Welcome, welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast. Hope you are having a great week. I am Doing pretty great, I have to say. I'm feeling a little off. I don't know what's going on. You know, everything that comes up feels a little like, oh, do I, do I, am I sick with this or that? Do I have COVID? I, you know, I don't think so. I have none of the symptoms. I don't have a fever, but I've just felt a little off the last few days. Maybe it's just because it's so dark out there in the media and so, like, such a bummer. I've been trying to watch way less news and social media. Like the last few days or even maybe weeks I I don't know about you but it's 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 all seems so dark and rarely positive and really helping to improve my outlook and give me hope <laughs> now I want to be informed obviously I'm sure you do too but I just feel like wow maybe maybe like a lot of us I've been overdosing <laughs> on that a little bit anywho um you can pray for me I'm sure I'll be fine I feel better I'll watch less news and it'll <laughs> it'll all be good. Uh, anyway, hey, thanks again for being with us. I want to invite you to join us uh, in Facebook or on Facebook in the in our group, the Everyday Disciple group, there, um, where we get to have a lot of fun, some discussion. If you have questions from the show or or anything really about life on mission, making disciples as a lifestyle, you can go there. Um, just look us up on Facebook, the Everyday Disciple Podcast, or to make it simple, you can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash facebook and i would also love it if you would subscribe to the show on whatever platform you listen on and leave us a review on that that platform okay um there's also a link for that you can go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash subscribe and that'll take you to a page with all kinds of different links to different players and all the things you might use all right well last week uh, i did part one of uh a message that I had done live. I shared part one of a message um, that is really looking at how God saves us and why he saves us. And we started looking at the first of two lenses of the gospel. We talked last week about the power of the gospel and really how much bigger it is maybe <laughs> than we proclaim and how it, you know, the power of the gospel saves us and sets us free in so many ways. But often that's the that's kind of where we stop and we don't proclaim the full gospel which includes the second lens which is the purpose of the gospel in other words why God has saved us and uh, this is foundational to making disciples if we don't fully understand the gospel and how big it is and understand both the power of the gospel and it's by faith in Christ and Christ alone that we're saved and set free in every area of life and if we don't embrace the purpose of the gospel which I'm not going to say too much more about right now because I'm going to get into it here, coming up here in a second, Um, if we don't embrace both, it really shines a light on why maybe the church has been really shy on making disciples in recent years. And and praise God, there's a resurgence of, of interest in this, but I really think if the church is not making disciples as our primary mission and really embracing it as a lifestyle, it's a gospel issue at its core. And this message, last week's and today's combined, really sort of helps change that and put a an ax to the root of that problem. So I want to go ahead and dip into part two of, of the message, okay? And then I will come back after you hear you know me wrap up that message, and I'll give you a few other thoughts, and I'll give you the big three for the day as well. Okay, here we go. God in Christ has given us both this amazing message, this amazing good news, okay, the message of reconciliation, the gospel power, but he's also given us the ministry of reconciliation, a gospel purpose. See, we have this amazing gospel power. This is the other lens we've got to help our people see, gospel purpose. The gospel has a purpose for our lives, It just doesn't save us and leave us there. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation and he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. Ephesians 2.10 then says, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do our folks know that they have good works prepared in advance for them to do? That's what the gospel purpose is. And that good works probably is not ushering or handing out flyers at the door, or just working in children's ministry, or at doing everything in our box. Do they realize their purpose is so much bigger than that? Now to coming into this purpose of the gospel sort of brings us into the reason for our salvation and the second lens. And so to kind of get this second lens of the gospel, we need to look at at the gospel through the lens of a story. So can we go to the next slide? Okay, so we see the gospel purpose as we look at a story. If you look at it as a story, creation, fall, redemption, restoration, okay, and man, I could speak for days on how, on how to help form your people in understanding their own story and telling their story and helping to listen to other people's stories through those lenses. But if you look at scripture, not thematically, where we see the power of the God, a power of the gospel, but you look at it this way, as a storyline, what does it appear, I mean, I don't know, let take a stab at it, what does it appear the purpose of the gospel is? What's it heading towards? Restoration, the restoration of all things. I mean, the story starts in a garden and everything is amazing and there's two trees and it ends in a garden and everything is amazing and there's two trees and they're both the tree of life and it says God will come and dwell with his people and it all will be restored. No more sickness or pain or death or decay or any of that. It all gets restored. The purpose of the gospel is ultimately about restoration. And we'll see in a minute why restoration brings about God being glorified in all things. I know us Piperites, we're gonna say, yeah, but the purpose of the gospel is that God would be glorified in all things. Yes, and the purpose of the gospel accomplishes that. this, This restoration of all things accomplishes that. See, the gospel is not just about my individual happiness and God's plan for my life. It's about God's plan for the whole world. Oh, I, I, I tell you, as a pastor, as, as one who lives in community with people, that, that's, my number, that's my number one prayer for my kids, for people in our community. I want them to understand that God seriously does have a plan for the whole world And and just by mystery uh, and miracle unfolding, we get to be a part of it. And and this this American dream life where we pretty much as the church look just like our culture, except we hide our sin better, and we wedge a little bit of Jesus and church going and a little bit of mission in now, because it's a cool term. Other than that, we're not that different. That is not what Christ died on a cross for. God has a plan for the world and he's got a purpose for your life. The gospel has a purpose and it's so much bigger than the American dream world with a little Jesus wedged in. Years ago, a friend of mine who works in some of the hardest places in the world with the persecuted church and different things, years ago, he he asked me one day, he goes, and I was still in business and I was a Christian and I was kind of like upperly mobile. Our businesses were growing and we were doing just fine. Thank you very much, American Pie, right? And he said, Caesar, he says, is the life you're living worth Christ dying for? Is the life you're currently living worth him dying on a cross? It's like, ouch, ouch. And what he was getting after, what he was getting after is, oh, there's so much more. There's so much more than just stacking up and amassing and piling up stuff and in church attendance and ushing and maybe tithing and oh my gosh, if you go to a midweek group, you're a freaking rock star Christian. There's way more than that. When we repent of our sin and we receive the new life that God has offered us, we begin this journey of restoration inside and out, and not for just for us. So we'll have a happier life, more peace, less strife. But this restoration begins in us for the whole world. For the whole world. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now a word of caution here. There are those that believe that the church by restoring stuff accomplishes the bringing about of the kingdom. That's not what we're saying here and we've gotta be careful that we don't tip our people into that. The kingdom is established by the king. Jesus is the king. The restoration is his work. We submit to that work. It's amazing that he chooses us as plan A to accomplish that. There is no plan B that I could find in the book yet. But we, 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 we do not want to tip into, well. we bring about the kingdom if we could just get enough stuff cleaned up around here? That's not what we're talking about. Jesus gave us... Now here's what's crazy. Jesus gave us sort of like we've got gospel power and gospel purpose. Jesus gave us the gospel plan for accomplishing this. Do you know what it was? How did, what was the plan Jesus gave us for accomplishing the purpose of the gospel, the restoration of all things? Anybody want to take a guess? It's found in Matthew 28. Go and make disciples. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks for clearing that up for us. How how is going and making disciples gonna bring about the restoration of all things and ultimately the glorification of God in all things? How's that? How's that happen? Well, look at this. When cities, when cultures, when nations are restored as the gospel, what I'm saying, they are restored as the gospel restores the hearts of the people in that culture. I mean, what is, think about it. What does your city look like? Man, I wish this was a little smaller and we could talk. I, we teach dialogically in our community. Uh, what does, is, what is, what is, say, the educational system, oh boy, I'm picking on a hotbed here in this town. What does the educational system look like if all of a, there's no disciples? involved in it? Like what's the focus of an educational system in this country, in this city, in any city if there's no disciples involved in it? I mean students use their education and they're told to use their education for personal gain. Or teachers twist kids' minds and college students' minds into their worldview, their jacked up self-run worldview. But, But what if but what if the educational system was increasingly full of disciples of Jesus Christ? What if as churches, we specifically laid hands on and sent people into the educational field and we let them come up here and report on how it's going? Inch at a time, foot at a time, step at a time. And what if, what if increasingly in the cities, there was more and more teachers, educators, administrators, principals, people on the school boards that were truly disciples of Christ. And they, 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 were, they were bringing about kingdom restoration by bringing about disciple making to that people group. See, the mission is always to a people group. It's never, it's never, a, it's never a construct or a building or a system. It's always the hearts of the people in it. Let's just go down the list real quick. What about business? What if the business, what if about what about industry and business in this city or any city that you live in was completely devoid of disciples? You know, owners are mistreating employees around the world, this is happening. They use them basically for personal gain. I started a business to maximize me. Just know it, when you work for me, pretty much you exist to maximize me and we're gonna ring out profits and we're gonna destroy the planet or we're gonna do whatever it takes to get a profit. But, but what, if, what if business was increasingly full of disciples? What if seriously, many of you and many of the people in your churches were taught and trained and released and sent and supported to start and run businesses for the sake of the community, for a sake of being a display of the gospel good news? that you don't get what you deserve. You get so much more. That that profit exists for the benefit of those who made it, not just the guy who had the original 10 bucks to start this thing. What if communities actually rallied around people? Do you know how hard it is to start a freaking business that succeeds? I've owned about a dozen businesses. It's really hard. Jeff and I still own a restaurant and some property in Tacoma. That restaurant's hard. What if the churches like, came around people? What if missional communities came around people and said, you know what? We're gonna cover your salary for the next two years as a missionary because you, you won't make Jack squat the first couple years getting this ministry running. And if you take it all out, you're gonna have to just take it all out of the people. What if we saw people as missionaries and the restoration of the business realm and the creation of jobs and industry in such a way that a gospel picture emerged? How about media and the arts, can you imagine if Letterman and Oprah and Spielberg and others were actually disciples? Can you imagine it? Seriously, I I, I sit around and I, I don't know why, but I just sit around and I dream of these kinds of things. I go like, what if someone with that much mo, you know, that much of, of, a, of a you know pipeline to the culture, really got it? And I'm not talking about like. Alec Baldwin got it, or his brother Stephen Baldwin got it. You know, like, oh, yikes, thanks for the presentation of the gospel, brother. I'm talking about really got it and took their tens and hundreds of millions of dollars and began to humbly serve and bless people and support mission and, and live humbly. And, you know, can you imagine? And what if our churches, like, released people to that? Like, do we see that as a high calling? Do we really believe the gospel has a purpose and it's it's moving towards the restoration of all things, which is always gonna be and always has been and always will be about people? Health care. Oh man, this this country right now with health care. What if the church got back? You know, health the whole health care thing in the world started with Christians? (laughs) You know? What if we took that over? Government. Can you imagine if the government was increasingly full of disciples of Christ? Service organizations. I mean, I've been in and out of many countries, I've been in and out of Africa so many times, lost count. We cannot send enough food and aid to certain places to make any difference. And I've got a, we've got a brother here from Haiti. Port-au-Prince, we could ship every friggin' thing in the whole world over there, and if they don't have the gospel, if they don't have disciples who are making disciples in all of these domains of culture, Haiti's never gonna change, is it? It's not stuff. It's gonna be disciples who make disciples in every area of culture. That is what brings about restoration. That's why the purpose of the gospel, restoration of all things, gets accomplished by the plan. Go and make disciples. Is that central to your churches? Seriously central. A couple years ago for us, God really rewired us on this at SOMA. The mission is disciples-making. Whatever you do on Sunday, whatever your budget line items look like in your budgets this fall, whatever you do midweek, whatever you do, if it doesn't somehow prop up, promote, expediate, and accelerate the multiplication of disciples who make disciples, you're going the wrong direction. And I don't care how long your church has done it. I don't care how many other guys are doing it. I don't care how many videos are up on Verge or Resurgence or any of that. If it's not making disciples to make disciples, we're going the wrong way. Because making disciples is how we're gonna accomplish the purpose of the gospel, the purpose of why Christ died and put his spirit in his church. This is where this gets really good. See, when this happens, when disciples increasingly are filling up every little nook and cranny of culture in your neighborhood and your neighborhood and media over there in that city and this family that went to LA and is doing it in film and in government over here, when every little nook and cranny is reached by the gospel, when disciples of Jesus fill the earth, and this is the point, the restoration of all things will fill the earth with God's glory. See how it comes back around? When everything is full of Jesus, then everything is full of God's glory. That's why it's all about making disciples. It's all about the purpose of the gospel being worked out, has happened, is happening, is happening in the everyday, ongoing. Because when all things get full of little Jesus people, then the earth gets full of the glory of God. Psalm 72, praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Now, we throw that word glory around a lot, okay? We do. We sing it in songs. We say, you know, to God be the glory. If you're an African-American preacher, glory! You know, we, we preach it, glory. What does glory really mean? Glory means the way something or someone really is. In in Hebrew, the word glory means weight, weighty. God is the most glorious, he's the most weighty one in the universe. He's the original article. He's it, he's I am. So to bring God glory, to glorify, is is to manifest that hidden essence, that amazingness. Jesus, it says, was what? the glory of the Father, the exact representation of the Father. He was the glory of God. That's what we're to be. That's what God is doing in us, this glorification process. And when all things get full of glorified disciples, increasingly glorified disciples, then all things in all cultures, in all little cracks of life, get increasingly full of Jesus and God's glory. The purpose of the gospel is that the whole world would be filled with Jesus. That's the purpose. That brings about the restoration of our cities. Not more church services, not better preaching, not lots and lots of hands outs, not lots of world aid. Jesus filling all things. And that happens through disciples making disciples. Making disciples that fill the world is the plan that accomplishes the purpose. That's why it's so critical that we focus on that. And I, and I wanna call you to that. I wanna call you to that. We, when, Like I said a couple years ago, when we got sort of <laughs> jacked up on that again, here's how it happened. Um, just through some different conversations and series of things, kind of like that what is the gospel question hit us, and we were like, I don't even know if we'd all say the same thing. We started asking ourselves, I wonder how many, I wonder how many people feel like they've been discipled in our church? In fact, I wonder how many even are, and so we were having a missional community leaders meeting one night, so these are our best leaders. We said, hey, just out of curiosity, how many of you would say in your lifetime you've been discipled, in other words, some formal process of some form, you know, somebody, some group of people, some person, whatever, you've been discipled, not just serendipitously, killer sermon series here, read that book here, took this class there, but, you were discipled in how to walk out your faith. A very few hands went up. And we were like nervous. We started, a little bit of sweat started to run down. We said, okay, those of you that have your hands up, so you've been discipled, you would say. And it was very few. We said, how many of you right now, if someone was to like knock on your door and beg you to start to make them a disciple of Christ, you'd know how to begin? Every hand went down. And we're like, well, we're fired. <laughs> we suck. I mean, what are we doing? Like, you know, we're like years into this church plant and stuff and, and we've got nobody who's been discipled almost and nobody who knows how to make a disciple. What are we doing? Like, seriously, we had to go back and like repent and cry and weep and ask God to show us. And what is a disciple and and how to make disciples? Making disciples to make disciples. That's That's God's plan to accomplish the purpose of the gospel, the restoration of all things. That's how the world's gonna get full of his glory. Jesus, let me read this Ephesians passage. It just sort of puts the whole thing into, it's a little long, but it's not too long. It's Ephesians 1, starting in 18. Paul's talking to the church and about the same kind of stuff. He says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart I love that term, the eyes of your heart, may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you. It's not just ush, (laughs) the riches of his glorious inheritance in you, the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power of the gospel is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and then seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. Far above all the media muck and educational woes and health care issues. That's how powerful this power of the gospel is, Paul's saying here above every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, his soma, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Oh, I love that. The fullness of him, Christ, who fills everything in every way. Jesus is the message. Jesus is the gospel. Jesus is the point. He's the power, Paul's saying, and he accomplishes his purpose and when everything is full of him, then then God is glorified. Jesus is the point. His life, death and resurrection fulfills or fills full both the power and the purpose of the gospel. The gospel saves us and restores us and then sends us out to make disciples who make disciples. And how many of us are content to let people sit in our churches and listen to our awesome preaching week after month after year after life and they've never led anybody to the Lord. They've never made any disciples. They've never been a part of a community that lives on the mission of making disciples together. I've talked to more elders and senior pastors about their elder boards, and they go, I don't know if any of my elders have any le- ever led anybody to Christ or made anybody a disciple. Well, here's the bad news of that. It's only gonna be worse below the head. If, if, if you guys and gals, are, if you're not making disciples who make disciples, nobody in your church is gonna like, shoot past you on the track and just start blowing it up if your lives don't have the margin, if your lives aren't completely oriented around making disciples to make disciples because you're so stinking busy with ministry, repent today. Because that's the purpose of the gospel, that all things will be full of God's glory through making disciples. And if we're not doing it, if if we don't lead in that, if our lives aren't just given to incarnated amongst people, because that's what elders are, amongst the people, disciple making, that no one, where are they going to follow us? They're going to follow us to more church services. Now, real quick, as I close this, time we got okay, Brandon. As I close this, th- there's. One last point of why we need both the power and the purpose if we want to give our people a full gospel and they can kind of think through it this way with these handles. What happens if a person or a people only get a steady diet of the power of the gospel to set them free? What, what are we potentially in danger of them becoming? What, what kind of gospel might that end up being over time? Man-centered. Man-centered. It's all about you. I mean, think about our gospel power presentations over the years. It's, oh, no, Jesus has a wonderful plan for your life. You need to make a personal decision to accept him into your life as your personal savior. And you have a personal walk and a personal faith. See, it can become this amazingly powerful gospel that has the power, that has saved us, is saving us, will save us, can become very man centered. It's kind of about you and your happiness and avoiding hell. And we sort of paint heaven like, you know, a trip to the dentist office where we're all just kind of waiting to go in and hoping to God Jesus returns before it's our turn to get our teeth cleaned. You know, it's like, ugh. we have to have the purpose. That, no, no, see, you have been saved and you do inherit this amazing inheritance in Christ for a purpose, folks. I, I gotta let you know. That, and, and it's gonna cost everything you have. Jesus said, if you don't lose your life, you won't gain his life. If you try to hang on to your American dream life, you'll lose it, you'll lose everything. But there's also danger on the other side. If we only preach the power of the gospel, the restoration side of things, we, we can end up with a very social gospel. In churches that are busy, busy, busy. Get it done, restore everything, fix everything, have every kind of feeding thing, every kind of this, sheltering, housing, cars, ministry. We do it all, and people do it without the power and it becomes law, and it becomes a heavy yoke, and this is where we get our burnt outness from. Everybody's fried, everybody's burnt out, because they're all about the the restoration without gospel power, which means they're doing it in the flesh, which makes it filthy rags before our Father, and they're fried. But if you have gospel power connected to his gospel purpose of making disciples to make, make disciples, that's a powerful gospel. And we've got to give our people these both lenses and and we and, and we need to work it into everything, not just the gospel series or not just a tag on the end of the message. But our people need to hear and understand the power they have in Christ that's transforming them now for the purpose of making disciples to fill the earth with God's glory. Call your folks to this. Point them to the power that raised Christ from the dead that now dwells in them. There's nothing, there's no scheduling problem, there's no finance issue, there's nothing that is bigger than the power that raised Christ from the dead. God's gospel power will accomplish his purpose when we believe that when we preach that. Wow, you could tell I was really excited there, kind of throwing hard. I, I kind of get into preaching mode sometimes, but this is so important. It's that powerful and necessary that we embrace this fully, both the power and the purpose of the gospel. I hope this is helpful for you. I hope it's causing you to do a little thinking and scrutinizing, you know, how have we been proclaiming the gospel and how often, and are we leaning one way or the other? Are we proclaiming primarily the power of the gospel and has it slipped into sort of me centered or have we been really in the last few years just getting super busy with projects out there? The purpose of the gospel and part of restoration of things, but doing it apart from the power. Anyway, um, I hope this has been helpful to you. I hope you will embrace this and proclaim the biggest of gospels, as big as the gospel is, to all your people. And as you make disciples, they will really understand both the power and the purpose of the gospel. Okay, let me get to today's big three. As always, I like to summarize the show in some ways and say, hey, if nothing else, don't miss these three things. They're sort of head, heart, and hands, and a bit actionable at the end here. Um, And you can always get the uh, PDF version, sort of a printed version of this, in case you're driving or you're at the gym or whatever, uh, if you go to everydaydisciple.com, big three, B-I-G-3, okay? Here I go. Don't miss these three things. First, The gospel is not just about our individual happiness or God's plan for my life. It's God's plan for the whole world. When we understand both lenses of the gospel, it propels us well beyond a Christianity that is focused on sin management and behavioral modification, and it sends us out to be a part of the restoration of all things. It's amazing, right? Second, the more we embrace both the power and the purpose of the gospel, the more the church will engage in making disciples of Jesus and filling the world with his glory. Calling people to God's eternal purpose is a powerful way to help them see all of life as an opportunity for mission. It's way bigger than chasing the American dream or whatever dream, wherever you're living. And I just want to remind you, it's not enough to call people to church attendance and participation in Christian events. The true adventure The adventure we were created for awaits. And then third, God in Christ has given us both the message of reconciliation and the ministry of reconciliation. Don't forget, don't miss it. It's important that we hold both of these aspects of our mission intention together. Focusing on one without the other is not a complete understanding of nor participation in God's eternal purposes for his church. It's just too small. So ask yourself, which do I tend to lean toward or proclaim more often? The power or the purpose and and whichever it is, then ask the spirit to guide you in a fuller embrace and proclamation of the gospel in all of life. He will, the spirit will do that. God is going to accomplish. He is accomplishing his eternal purpose to fill the world with his glory. And he's doing it through his family, through us the redeemed. It's amazing, right? How powerful is, this is, how big this is. I wish I had heard this uh, years and years and years ago. I wish this was proclaimed from the rooftops and the seats and the pulpits of every church and everywhere. <laughs> and Maybe it is. Maybe in more and more it will be, okay? Well, that's it for today, and be sure to join us next week. We're going to continue to talk about these things and keep talking about how the gospel speaks good news into everyday life, all right? I'll talk to you soon.